You're listening to the podcast of Opportunity Christian Fellowship in Spokane Valley, Washington. Opportunity Christian Fellowship exists to develop committed followers of Christ who are attracting others to Him. This week's speaker, Lead Pastor Dan Bonney. This morning I'd like to talk to you a little bit about what it means to be a Christian, what motivates us to follow God. Now, when I was a child, and by the way, my parents are here, Dwayne and Ruth Bonnie, so I'd be really careful what I say, because you can ask them, because they're here. But please don't ask them about all the stories I've told you uh, throughout the years here, um, just because it's kind of, it can be a little bit embarrassing uh, for me. Uh, but uh, they are here this morning, and Mom, although she worked outside the home, was most of the time home. As a little child, when I'd come home from school, she was there to, to greet me, and that gave me a lot of security. Well, anyway, as I was growing up, I we got into this thing as a church where there was a big emphasis on the rapture, and maybe that was just where I was. But anyway, there was a lot of talk about being left behind, and that God, Jesus was going to come, and some would be in the field, two would be in the field, and two would be in a bed, and one would leave, and the other would wake up, and whoa, I'm here alone. Whatever happened, and so. I had this fear, and so I came home one day, and Mom wasn't home. She's always home. She wasn't home, and I thought for sure, because I knew Mom would never be left behind, but I knew that there was a good possibility that I might be left behind, and so I got down on my knees and said, God, please forgive me. Forgive me whatever. Please give me another chance. Please, and then Mom came walking back in, and I realized I was safe because Mom was here. Uh, so what motivated me at that time to follow God was fear. You know, I was just looking out for, I had kind of, was worried about fire insurance kind of a thing. And I was going down that route. But, you know, the whole the whole mood of the times was that. In fact, Larry Norman, who was kind of the, the father of the modern day Christian music, wrote this song about that time. And listen to the just inspiring lyrics here. Life was filled with guns and war and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. The days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you, well, you've been left behind. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise. She turns her head. He's gone. Now, maybe for some of you, that wouldn't be so bad, wives, right? (laughs) I know when I'm snoring at night. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. There's no time to change your mind. How could you have been so blind? The father spoke. The demons dined. The sun has come and you've been left behind. You've been left behind. Ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, you've been left behind. Man, after you hear that song, you go, Lord, save me. Please, I'm going to be a follower of God. Uh, and it's out of fear. And although fear can certainly bring us to God, and for many of us, that's how God calls us, but yet somewhere along the line in our relationship with Him, the motivation to follow Him has to grow from being just fearful or out of fear. There's uh, There are other motivations that might... Uh, make you follow God or, or uh, motivate you to follow God. One is just uh, 
following the Ten Commandments is a good way for healthy living. And we see that a lot, actually, in, uh, in some churches and some areas of our society where uh, being truthful and following what God commands and the Ten Commandments, we do that because it just brings about good things in our lives. And so it just makes sense, and we do this. And it, but it doesn't really have to do with a relationship with God. It's more about making sure that I do what I need to do, and it does produce good things, good relationships, if I follow the Ten Commandments. And so that's a reason. It's not the reason God wants us to follow Him, but that is a reason. Another reason is that He simply is bigger than we are. And we don't want to get on his bad side. Another reason is perhaps it's what's expected of me. It's what I did when I was a child and I've grown up and now I'm here and it's what my mom and dad expect me to do and it's kind of the, the thing to do. And I've grown old in the church and here I am. It's just plainly just what's expected of me and that's why I follow God. Another reason is just in case. You never know what might happen. So just in case, I want to cover all my bases. So I follow God. Now here's one for those in, your ba- in the balcony up there. Wave your hand. The balcony kids. All right. You're up there. My girlfriend is a Christian, and I want to follow God because then she might like me. Or, no, that doesn't ring true to anybody up there. All right. Yes. Pete, you better talk to Becky and see what's, uh, what's up with that. So, What does God want our motive to be? Or where does He want it to get eventually? Our motive for following Him. And that's a question I want us all to ponder this morning and to answer in our hearts as the Holy Spirit speaks to us through His Word. And so let's open up the Bible to Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 and following. And this is a passage of Scripture that I'm sure all of you are familiar with. But it's not a passage of Scripture that you know better than any Jew of that day. And I'll explain why in just a minute here. If you don't have a Bible, there is one in the chair in front of you that you can borrow. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, who is the, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, as I read the Bible, it seems to me that a lot of what motivated the Pharisees to follow God was not love, not love in the sense of commitment to God and following Him out of wanting to please Him in service. As I read the Bible, it seems to me that a lot of Jesus' criticism on the Pharisees was that they enjoyed being in the limelight, they enjoyed the position, they enjoyed being the smart ones of society, they enjoyed the respect that was given them because of the religious position that they had. So I think for our Pharisee, it would be very easy to want to follow God because of what it brought them in society. You think of a person, for instance, that today would go to Harvard and get an MBA. A person that went goes to Harvard and gets an MBA immediately has a certain status in our society. 
You look at the, you don't even have to know them. You know this degree and you go, wow. Kind of goes, you go, wow. Went to Harvard. MBA guy must be sharp. Or to Yale or some Ivy League school. It kind of catches your attention. Well, in that day and age, the Pharisees were the Ivy League graduates. They were the educated ones. They were the ones that not only were educated, but they were uh, very conservative in their religious views and were very respected by all the Jewish people in that day and age. And so I suspect for them that following God was a, an, an intellectual, um, intellectual exercise. They loved to, to uh, battle with words and, and they loved to look at the different laws that the Bible had and try to figure out which was the greatest one. And so they come to Jesus and they ask him, what is it that motivates, what is it that should motivate us to follow you? And Jesus comes back to them with this verse. Now this commandment, it's very interesting. This commandment that Jesus quotes, he's, com- he's quoting from Deuteronomy. And the, the Jews knew this commandment very well. It's called the Shema. Because it's a verse that every Jewish child would say in the morning, right after they got up, and the evening, right after they went to bed. From the first, from when they barely began to speak all the way till the day they died. This is what the Jews did. They would recite this every day of the week. The Shema. And so when Jesus begins to say this to the, to the Pharisees, they go, well, come on. Of course. You know? It's kind of like, you know, if you're in Sunday school as a little kid, and the teacher asks a question, and you don't know the answer, but you say, God is love. You know you have a pretty good chance that somewhere in there, the teacher will say, good boy, Johnny, good boy, you know. You, you did well. You answered correct. Well, it's kind of like that. Jesus comes back to these Pharisees who are these MBA Harvard intellectuals, and he gives them something that they've been reciting since day one as children. Uh, and it really kind of strikes a nail in into their hearts as they, as Jesus explains to them, as it recites to them, something that's been, been, become so common that they've decided to have these arguments about it when actuality, what it reflects is this relationship that God wants to have with his people that is based on a covenantal relationship. It's a relationship that's based on loving God, not out of a feeling, but out of a decision to follow him. To love him. So Jesus gets back to the very basics. And he says that the whole Bible hangs on this. On loving God with all of who we are. And loving our neighbor as, our, as ourselves. And so I asked this morning. What motivates you to follow God? Is it loving God with heart, soul and mind? And what does that look like? What should it look like? Now, back in Jesus' day, when a person talked about love, although love did mean feelings, and although love certainly did represent the romantic side, as we read in the Old Testament, the Song of Solomon, and even a lot of the Psalms are full of feelings and full of, of emotions. Yet at the very basis of the under, Jewish understanding of love, was this sense that love was founded on commitment. Love was a decision. Feelings and emotions and even actions and all that came out of this foundation of commitment. And so 
the Jews understood that this relationship that God is calling us to is a relationship that first and foremost is a relationship that's founded on a decision, on our will, on our decision to follow God. And likewise, God for us. Decision for God to decide to love us, not based on feelings. Now, for us, it's a little hard to understand that. Because when we think of love, we think of this guy that when I woke up this morning, I realized that this Cupid guy had shot me with his little love arrow. You know, whoa, I'm in love. And I fall in love. And I've been ambushed by love. And it's like I have no control over this this thing called love, this mini splendor thing, whatever the song goes, you know. Uh, we just don't get it. We don't. It's not part of our vocabulary thinking of love as, first and foremost, this foundational decision that I am going to be committed to this person. But back in that day, they understood that. In fact, they understood it so well that oftentimes when two kids got married, they would meet each other on their wedding day. And they called that love. Isn't that something? They would meet each other on their wedding day. And uh, the Jewish tradition, as we as it progressed through history, we see this. In fact, how many of you have watched Fiddler on the Roof, the movie? All right, several of you have watched that. Bill, you haven't watched that movie. Okay, well, I'm going to show you a, a clip of that movie. But that movie is all about this family, the dad and mom. They, were, they were, didn't meet each other until the day they were married. And then here, this, this, these parents have these daughters, and these daughters are being bitten by Cupid. And this is all a new thing for dad. He's trying to figure out how this works. I mean, this love thing is supposed to be romantic. What does that mean? Okay? And so I want to kind of give us a picture of what, what love was for them to help us to see what love wasn't for the Jews at this time. Okay, let's roll the clip. Love. Golden, do you love me? Do I what? Do you love me? Do I love you? Well? With our daughters getting married and this trouble in the town, you're upset, you're worn out. Go inside, go lie down. Maybe it's indigestion. Uh, no, Golden, I'm asking you a question. You love me. You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? Well. For 25 years I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow. After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Golden. The first time I met you was on our wedding day. I was scared. I was shy. I was nervous. So was I. But my father and my mother said we'd learn to love each other. And now I'm asking, Golda, do you love me? I'm your wife. I know. But do you love me? Do I love him? Well? For 25 years I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years my bed is his. 
If that's not love, what is? Can you love me? I suppose I do. Then I suppose I love you too. It doesn't change a thing, but even so. After twenty-five years, it's nice to know. <laughs> If you haven't got that movie, you should get it, rent it, and watch it. It's a great movie. But you see, this whole idea of romantic love was, in a sense, foreign. I mean, they didn't equate. Love with feelings. Love was first and foremost this decision, this commitment. To think of love as feelings? Now, I'm not saying that love shouldn't be feelings. It is feelings. But first and foremost, God expects us to love Him as a decision, as a commitment. And I'd like, here's a little um, illustration of this, uh, of how this perhaps should work. The basis and the foundation of love, the basis of foundation for us, for our decision to follow God, needs to be commitment. It's a decision of our will. I will follow God. I want to enter into this relationship with Him. This is what motivates me. It's not, they're not the feelings, although feelings can certainly draw me to Him. And often most of us come to God out of crisis or out of some kind of a burden that's too heavy for us to to bear and all that. And God uses all those things to draw us to Him. But at some point in our lives, we have to come to this decision that, yes, I have decided to love God, which basically means I've decided to commit to Him. And then after that, we do actions that reflect that commitment, obedience, and then there are feelings that come along. Now, the problem is, is when we get those things mixed up so that we, our decision to follow God, our, to enter into a relationship with Him, is just based on feelings. So what happens when the feelings aren't there anymore? We say, well, God disappeared, or maybe my relationship isn't there anymore, because I'm not feeling these things anymore. What does it mean to love? Well, when our, when our relationship with God is based on commitment, or that, when that is the, the founding foundation for our love to God. There are certain foundational things that we do. For instance, in our relationship, my relationship with my wife, Paula, we are committed to each other and we're committed to doing certain things that keep that relationship fresh. For that, for us, that has meant having a date night. And we've done this since we got married. Actually, before we got married, we were having dates. But then after we got married, we made a commitment that we, were, we have decided that we are going to go through this life together. In order to keep that contact fresh, we are going to have a date night where we get a babysitter and we go out and we listen to each other. And it's just been part of our relationship. Now, not that we have been perfect by any means. And we've skipped weeks and sometimes months. But in the back of our heads, it's always there. Our decision to each other is based on this commitment, and so we've committed to this relationship. With God, it's the same way. It's our decision to follow Him. It's a commitment, and so we, we, we commit to certain foundational things. There are three things, basic things, that we commit to. 
that have nothing to do with feelings. They're commitments. And one is just to be in the Scripture, to be in the Bible, so that we might recognize God's voice. And you've heard me say this before. It's the very foundation of a commitment with God. Be in the Bible. Understand His voice. And then stillness, to be able to reflect on His voice. Okay, the Bible has all kinds of good things. And I still myself then. I quiet myself. And that's why we talk about Sabbath rest and getting away and being able to be quiet before God so that we can hear Him. And then the third thing is fasting so that I might obey Him. Because as I am in the Scriptures and as I am still and I hear His voice speaking to me, then I can obey Him if I'm used to saying no to the things that He does not want me to do. And then we do that through fasting. And so Scripture, stillness, and fasting. How many of you gone through a time in your life where you have not sensed God's presence in your life? You don't have to raise your hand, but I, I know most of us. If you've been a Christian for any time at all, you've gone through a time when you just sense God's not there. And so if your, your relationship with God is based on feeling, that can really throw you for a loop. But if your relationship is based on a commitment, you say, okay, I don't feel that, but I by faith believe that I still have this relationship with Him and I'm committed to doing the things that, are, that bring stability and give a foundation to that relationship, then I am able to work through those feelings or those lack of feelings. That commitment then leads to action. And when I am quiet before God and as He speaks to me, I understand things about my life that are offensive to Him. That He wants me to change. And so that commitment, that foundational activity, then leads to this action, this obedience, where I say to Him, okay, God, I will give that up. Or, okay, God, I will add this to my life. Or whatever it is that, that You're speaking to my, me about, I will change it. And so I become a person that is more uh, is reflecting more and more God's image. Not only that, but... I, I, in obedience to God, as He speaks to me, I begin to serve others. See, that's all part of obeying Him. I begin to love others in His name, not because they're easy to love, but because God loved me and I'm in relationship with Him, and so I love others. And that's a good way to serve others, is simply to love them. We got a card this week from somebody that loves us, somebody part of this church. And the reason I know that this person loves us is because they sent us a card. They didn't need to send us a card. It came out of the blue and had some great things on it about just praying for us. And so that to me said, that person loves me. That person loves Paula uh, because of that, serving us. Dorothy Day, founder of the Catholic Workers Movement, last century, puts it, I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. So that commitment to God... That stillness and hearing His voice leads to action, which leads to obedience, which leads to serving one another, to living a life of holiness in Him, changing the things that we do out of obedience to Him. And in all of that then, in all of that, God blesses us with feelings. Feelings are part of this relationship, but they are not the foundation of this relationship. You know, when you think about this commitment to following God, this what motivates us to following God, being a commitment, a decision of our will, it's really a two-way street. And thank God, thank Him that He is this way. Just think about it, if God's relationship with us, His mercy and His grace to us, 
dependent on how he feels about us. How many times have we disappointed him? And how many times have we done things that we know were not agreeable to him? And if his grace, his love, his commitment to us was dependent on how he felt, we would be in a heap of trouble. God has a commitment to us, has a covenant relationship with us that is based on a decision that he's made. As we've opened up our hearts to him, he says, you are mine. I have chosen you. You are mine and I'm walking with you. What's your favorite part of a wedding ceremony? What's your favorite part? If, if you know, if there is a favorite part at all. What's your favorite? What'd you say? The vows. Okay. What, what other? The dress. Okay. What else? The cake. From the cake maker over here. Yes. The reception. The kiss. You want to come and demonstrate that? No. Okay. The kiss. My favorite part of the wedding ceremony is, as Chris has mentioned here, the vows. And why is that? Well, it's because everything else might not be there someday in a, in a relationship. You know, the candles might not be there. The kiss might not be there. The, you know, the cake might not be there. The, the wonderful little flower dooley doolies we put up might not be there. Um, but if we are true to our vows, that relationship is there and will continue to be there because it's a relationship that is based on commitment, on a decision. Listen to the question that we ask the bride and the groom. Bride, will you have the groom to be your wedded husband, to live together in the holy estate of matrimony? Will you love him, comfort him, honor and keep him in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep yourself only for him so long as you both shall live? That's a decision statement, isn't it? That's a, that's a commitment. Everything else comes out of that commitment. The feelings and the, the wonderful romance and all that. But if that commitment isn't there, that relationship is not going to last. So this morning, my question to us is, will we have God? Will you have God this morning? Will you make a commitment to Him? Now, for some of you, perhaps, you've never made this commitment of the will to God to follow Him. Maybe, perhaps, for others, your relationship with God has been based on feelings. And when those feelings are strong, you feel great about God. When those feelings aren't strong, then you kind of wonder about things. This morning I am calling you to enter a relationship with Him that is based on a willful decision of your heart. Will you have God this morning to live in holy relationship with Him, to love Him, to honor Him, to forsake all others, to keep yourself only for Him? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. First and foremost, it means a decision that we make. So let's bow our heads. And I would like you...
to just respond in your heart to what God has been speaking to you about today. And then I will lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, we want to commit to you this morning, again or for the very first time, we just, in our hearts, we have said to you that we are committed to you. We covenant with you. You are our God. And we make promises this morning to you. And we ask that you would give us grace to live out these promises in your name. And Father, I pray that for each one of us, we would have wonderful experiences of your presence. God, may we never forget that those experiences are based on this decision following you, a covenantal relationship with you. Thank you for the model that you give us in marriage of a covenant decision between a man and a wife, a man and a, and a woman. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As you go this week, remember your relationship with God. Do the things that bring that commitment to the forefront in your life. Obey Him. And as you do that, God will bless you with feelings. God will bless you with joy. God will bless you with those things that the peace that passes all understanding. The feelings that come about when we are following God with all of our hearts. But those feelings come when we're committed to Him. So blessings and go in His peace today. You've been listening to the podcast of Opportunity Christian Fellowship. Opportunity Christian Fellowship is located at 1313 South Pines in the city of Spokane Valley, Washington. Check us out online at www.opportunitychristianfellowship.org.